Wonderful. Welcome to church. My name is Mark, and I get to preach this morning. And we're in a series called Into the Wild. As you might have picked up, we're not backing down. It's not, let's slide quietly into Christmas. It says, Mark, could you give us something light and fluffy? Just make us feel nice. Wrong day. So turn to your neighbor who you've just invited to church, and it's their first time here, and say, he's normally much nicer. Just say, trust me, you're going to need it. I've just met level, first time at church, second row. I promise you I'm a nice guy. Some people are like, I- I'm just really passionate about what God's called us to. We're so passionate about it, we put it on the wall. If you want to know what we're on about, it's on the wall. We're not clever, so we forget things, so we put it on the wall. We reach far. We reach those who are far from Christ. We reach those who are far from His grace. We reach those who are far from His story. And we want to commit ourselves to be a part of that. That's our time, our energy, our talents, our finances, our resources, our emotions, everything. We will reach those who are far from Jesus. But there's a reason behind that. And I want to speak about that today. And that's why that's at the top of the list. I just need to take a setting off my thing. This thing. What do you call it? The happy days. It's an iPad. The good thing and the good news for you is... I've only got 11% of my iPad. So today we are limited in where we can go anyway. Just so some of you are like, sure, lunch is going to be good. And so we're preaching this series. And at the core of the series is Acts chapter 1 verse 8, which says, but you, the church, will receive power. Not to be a powerful accountant. That's part of it. That's the day job. That's God's grace in your story. That's the most amazing thing. You will be with power, and as Apelli spoke last week, to be witnesses. Those who get to stand and tell, who get to share, who get to say, here's what I've tasted and seen of the goodness of God. You get to be witnesses. As you take the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth which are not geographical locations. It wasn't the apostle writing down saying, actually, we're going to strategically go to Worcester, then we're going to go to Lanesburg. It's not that. No, Jerusalem was Nicodemus, a religious man, Judea, just people in a felt. They were there, and and the grace of God comes, and they get baptized. Samaria, a woman at a well who had been used and abused her whole life, and she encounters the perfect man, Jesus, at a well in the midst of her shame. She met Jesus. And then says to the ends of the earth. I want to remind us that we, we're part of an ends of the earth gospel. And the problem is because of safety and because of a whole bunch of things, we have a default and the church over generations has had a default to make it the church on the block. And the devastating reality is that churches are more churches are being sold than built right now. More church buildings in the world. The devastation go to the UK. It's the latest, greatest thing to buy an old church turn it into a pub, and it rocks again, and the house fills up again. That used to fill up back in revival days. And we have to understand we've got the gospel inside of us. We've got the fire of the living God, and the God says, if you'll be my witnesses, I'll fill you with power. And so we're talking about a gospel that's a little bit unchained. Is that right? A little bit wild. A little bit going to be offensive to someone. Are you okay? I want to tell you now to be a disciple of Jesus. You've got to... You're going to be misunderstood. You're going to be. You're going to be, uh, uh, the message you share is going to be offensive at times. For most of you, it takes a while. For me, it's just the question, what do you do? And people are already offended. I I, I was somewhere the other day chatting with someone, and, and I must have asked them about 17 questions. I can tell you all their kids' names right now. I can tell you where they live. I can tell, and I asked one, and they asked one question, what do you do? I said, well... 
Funny thing is, I'm a pastor. End of conversation. Like I, and it's a challenge for me. You know why it's a challenge? Because I like being liked. Is there, I, I know. How insecure. I mean, honestly. I know. I'm aware. We all like being liked, but then we get a gospel that is offensive to the idolatries and the presentations of this world. Welcome to being a Christian. Welcome to church. Gabe shared a story. And um, it's, it, the thing about Gabe's stories, there's details he likes and details he leaves out. So I have to just come and bring some correction to his story. One of them is the story about Titanic. And yes, Rose did survive. That is true. We know that from the movie. But there wasn't just one ship nearby. There were three. There was one ship seven miles away called the Samson. The problem is they were illegally, and let me get it right, hunting seals. So because they were doing something illegal, they didn't want to get in trouble. Essentially, they were sinning. They didn't want to respond to the call because if they'd responded, their whole activity would have been blown up. Then, 14 miles away was the ship Gabe spoke about, the Californian. And the flares went up, and the captain of the Californian said, send, I wait for the color of the flare, and, and come back to me. And eventually he said, they're not of our company, they're not our problem. And the Californian, 14 miles away, had plenty space for everyone to come on board, turned the other way, turned the other and said, waited for the next day. But what you don't know, and what, what Mr. Phillips um, breathed over at four times speed, I heard someone listening to one of Gabe's preachers the other day at two times speed. That is a supernatural gift. I, 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 I couldn't hear a word. I was like, what are you listening to? No, it's Gabe. Oh. But 58 miles away, there was a ship called the Carpathia. And this ship was actually headed in the opposite direction. It wasn't convenient. And they didn't see the flares. They just heard the radio distress calls. And the story goes, the captain of the ship knelt down, prayed, and said, Lord, guide us. They turned around, going through icebergs in the middle of the night, and they got there, and they saved 706 people, of which Rose was one. But they were the furthest away. It was least convenient for them. It wasn't on their travel path, and that's not what they were about. But they turned at 706 people who are probably representative of millions all these years later. I'm not sure. I haven't done the maths. I'm sounding like Gabe now. A lot of people. But I'm telling you now, when 706 isn't important enough to wake us from our sleep and get us on another journey, we're in trouble. And people said to me the other day, you know, there was a documentary about a church. The church is in trouble. No, the church is in trouble when we forget there are billions of people on this little blue earth who don't know Jesus. And maybe again, but they seem happy. Look at them on Instagram. They're happy. Well, you've got to read the Bible, and it's got to come and challenge us. And I want to speak to us today and understand that, that there's got to be some things that we are convinced about for our lives to count in the gospel. Last year, my boy had to go to a new school. So we prayed. We said, God, we're taking our two boys to new schools. Please give them friends. As a good parent, you have to pray that. That's, if, you don't, if you haven't prayed that, no, I'm joking. So you pray that. So he, he made a friend. His friend was York. And York became his mate. And eventually came the time for play day. So Daniel went to York's house. And Daniel, as he does, knows we love Jesus. We believe in Jesus. And you need Jesus. It's not complicated for a nine-year-old. Things are quite simple. So Daniel invited York and his whole family to come to church. 
So the family came to church. Now, in the first service this morning, and maybe somewhere, there were about eight to ten people sitting around there in the first service who are all in church, in community, joining life groups, in, in, involved in different ministries, because a nine-year-old boy was so convinced that Jesus is good for families, even though they've got food on the table and a nice house, they need Jesus. A year later, potentially a whole generation and a whole family has been finding healing, restoration, and life. I tell you that story because it's challenging to me. Because at the center of a selfish mark is a self-centered, self-focused, loving comfort individual who likes people to like him. But then I've got to be offended and challenged by this gospel that says something. And it says at the end, there's a revelation of Jesus. It's not the revelation of the end times and we'll know about how it'll all go down. We, it's not what it's about. And yes, we do need to preach on revelations, and I just don't know how to do it particularly well without people getting excited on every front. And there's pre-millennials and post-millennials, and I'm a pan-outist, which just means it's going to pan out. The way Jesus says, it's going to pan out. Because when I read Revelation, it's called the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ, who when there is a day of judgment, he will be seated on his throne, and there will be those who are washed by his blood, and those who aren't. And if that doesn't settle in your heart and bring something of an urgency to the here and now, and a nine-year-old sitting at a table whose lives could be forever changed, I'm telling you, you're not convinced by the gospel. You're not convinced. So I want to challenge us and call us to be a church who are convinced, and we've come to the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is written by Luke. And it starts like this. It says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote all about that, that Jesus began to do and teach. So the apostle Luke, who was a doctor, he'd written the book of Luke. And if you go read Luke, you'll also see it was written to a dude named Theophilus. Yes, that guy. Good name for a kid if you're looking for one. Theophilus. Then he writes about the book of Acts, and he's a doctor, so he takes good details, but it's not too wordy, so it's all in there about Jesus, about Paul, about the apostles and the Acts of the Apostles. He's writing a book so that Theophilus can encounter truth, so that Theophilus can respond to Jesus and believe the book of Acts is about Theophilus getting saved. And sometimes we make it so small. It becomes too small. It's got to be reminded, there's a big story to the gospel. It's an ends of the earth gospel. We want to make it a Judea, Jerusalem gospel. And if we really stretch, maybe a Judea gospel. Maybe. Because Judea is not that different to us. So it's got to come into our hearts. I want to read from Acts chapter 1 quickly. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote all about that Jesus was doing, began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And it carries on. He says, wait for the gift. Understand this. Jesus spent three years with the disciples who became the apostles, who got pulled into his big story. He then comes back. And he has to, he rises from the dead, he's got the scars on his hands, and for 40 days he has to convince them with convincing proofs that he is alive. Why? Because there's a mission at stake, people at stake, nations at stake. And so he takes 40 days to speak about the kingdom of God. He uses the scars in his hands and his grace. He says, guys, 
I didn't just tell you I was going to die. I died. You were there. Remember, Peter, when you were running away and you were scared of that little girl who asked you with me? He says, I died, but I've risen again, convincing proofs. And I'm telling you it's why. It's because you're not going to share the gospel unless you are convinced. You're just not going to. I've had the privilege of leading my three best mates and discipling them uh, many years ago when I was between the ages of about 17 to 21. They're still three of my best mates. One of them played rugby for the All Blacks. He was a lock. Only two South Africans have ever played for the All Blacks, so it won't be hard to find his name. But he's six foot seven. He's a monster of a man. And after a night out, probably dancing, we're sitting in my kitchen at two in the morning talking about real things. That's when guys get real. It's like when you're exhausted, tired, you've now the, the guard's down. We start talking about real things. He'd known me since we were in class one. He'd watched my life. He'd watched me go to church. He'd watched everything. Now we are now 19 years old. He's six foot seven and about to hit the stages of international rugby. And I got to share the gospel with him. I got him to lead him to the Lord. I got to stand there and he was weeping. And, and, and we eventually, he was weeping so much, I got up and I was hugging him. It's like me. Imagine him here, me here. And my other, my other digs mate walks in, like come for a midnight snack, you know. Oh. And just walked out. Because <laughs> he didn't know what was going on there. I got to baptize that guy in a pool six foot seven of him. Whoa. But I want to tell you, I've never felt more alive. I also want to tell you, in the moment of sharing the gospel, there's also that enemy that's saying, how can you do this? He's happy. You know it. And we're encouraging you to send messages out. And, but, but if you jump ahead to the end of the book of Acts, where it's all happened, the church is planted, the Spirit of God's come, and, and the story of Paul has carried on. He's there in 28. He's in prison in Rome. Not in a palace. He's under home imprisonment. And it says he's still preaching the gospel. It says some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. Some were convinced. And I'm telling you, even in the church, some are convinced. They like the story. They like the community. But there's not a convincing that leads to a, 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 a connection that takes my heart on a journey to conviction to share. And I'm trying to move us towards that. And this is how it ended, Acts 28. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house, a.k.a. home imprisonment, and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught all about the Lord Jesus Christ with boldness and without hindrance. Without hindrance. He's in prison. But without hindrance and with boldness, he preached. And I find that challenging. If you don't find that challenging, you're not breathing. Because it is challenging. Because we live in a world... Where, 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 where if you read the stats, and I'm a pastor. I left a career and an industry that is going like this to become a pastor. And one guy got honest with me. He said, you know, this is a very bad career move. I'm like, I'm aware. Thank you for that encouragement. He was in the church. <laughs> he said, this is a very bad career move. I said, uh, thank you. And... Um, but, but the challenge is Jesus is speaking, and, and Jesus' words are pretty important. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask of the Lord the harvest, therefore, to send out workers in the harvest. That was 2,000 years ago. I don't think the workers are few anymore. I think the workers are quiet. I think the workers don't see themselves as workers. 
I think we've somehow mandated it to, well, you're the evangelist. You're the guy with the tent. You're the guy. And we've, we've abdicated that responsibility. And like Timothy gone, we don't want to do it. And Paul's got to come and say, do the work of an evangelist. And it's challenging because I don't think I'm an evangelist. And it's never been said of me that I'm an evangelist. And yet I've got to burn for the lost. That's why at the top of the list. And I took over this church from a guy who was an evangelist. He, I remember my first meeting with Wally. We were having big conversations. Their lives were going to be uprooted out of the community they planted. We were going to move our family down here. My wife hadn't even had the baby. We were moving. It was like hectic times. And I'm talking to Wally and I'm talking. I'm saying, this is how we should do it. And I realized he's not listening to me at all. Like at all. He's checked out 10 minutes before. So I just stopped talking. And I thought, I looked at where he was looking. He was sitting in a coffee shop here, and he had realized the table over here had just lost someone. Someone had passed away in the family. And so they were planning a funeral. In Wally's head, that's not, oh, let them do that. In Wally's head is the gospel. They need Jesus. He literally left me, walked over and said, I'm here to help you. It was so challenging to me. The first time I came to the church, I was sitting with Craig sitting now. Uh, Wally turned around to someone in the third row that were visiting the church. They had been in a rehab clinic in the area, and on their Sunday off, they came to church. They were from a foreign nation who'd come to the nation and never received Christ. Wally turns around to them in worship and goes, you need Jesus. He's calling you. He's weeping. And I'm going, this is an awkward moment. Can you do that? Are you allowed to do that? I don't know. That feels like the rules have been broken. Those guys gave their life to Jesus that Sunday. And, and I don't learn how to be Wally. I just learn how important salvation is. It says, do the work. You will see power to be when the Holy Spirit comes to you. And there's a lot of conversation about when the Holy Spirit comes on you. you and I've been in church for 30 years now. I've seen some things related to the Holy Spirit. I've seen, and, and, and I believe in the power of the Spirit of God. I believe in the baptism of the Spirit of God. But it doesn't come on for a show at church. It comes on so you can be witnesses. I'm telling you, we, we get that back to front and we become dangerous. And so we've got to understand as we do this, this is the question I want to ask you. Are you convinced? Are the lives worth it? Are you convinced of the gospel? What does that mean? Again, I'm not angry. Tell your new, new friend you've just brought to church, he's normally much nicer. He's very happy. He's obviously tired. No, I'm passionate. Number one, I've got to ask you, believer, if you're not a believer in the, in the house today, I can't call you to this. But if you proclaim the name of Jesus, I can call you to this. Do you believe in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Do you believe it? Which means it's not just a story. It's not just this nice fable that was made up. That Jesus was birthed into the womb of a woman. The king of kings left perfection into the womb of Can you get your head around it? Because I can't, but I believe it. And he allowed himself to go through a birthing process. In the womb of a woman he made. Then lived 30 years on this earth. Dealing with the rubbish that he would have had to deal with. And then had three years to minister. The Bible says, then he died the death we can't die. So that he might rise again to live the life we can't produce ourselves. So that dead people who were dead. And if you were, before you encountered the life of God, you were dead. So they might be made alive. If you don't believe that, if you're not convinced, if you've been in church for 40 years and you still need to be convinced about that, I promise you you're not going to share the gospel with someone. You're just not. And we can put lack of business cards and bumper stickers on our cars 
And um, who hasn't been cut off by someone with a fish on the back of their car? <laughs> like, <laughs> honestly, who hasn't? And, and, um, but you've got, to be, you've got to be convinced that Jesus' blood is perfect and never fails. Oh, but what about my family member who died? Yes, the blood of Jesus never fails, but you've got to have a perspective of eternity. You've got to trust him. You've got to know that the gospel goes. You've got to know that eternity is a destination. And I don't know whether I've said it in this service or other services, but heaven and hell are real. Ooh, church just got serious. Ooh, someone said hell. Can you say that? Breaking the rules. Maybe. But the Bible speaks a lot about it. The Bible does. It's not silent. And there will be a day of judgment. We don't like talking about it. But if we forget about it, as the church, we are more lost in the world. Because we have answers that can save the world and we're doing nothing about it. We're just carrying on sailing. Why? Because it was inconvenient. And people die. He challenges us. It's got to challenge us. And I want to jump ahead. I want to just take us to a few challenging situations and stories that happen in all of our lives. See, I, I, what I keep going back to, I don't know if you remember, but years ago, there was the Soccer World Cup on which is normally the biggest sporting event in the world. It is. And nothing interrupts. I mean, wars can start, and no one knows because the Soccer World Cup's on and Argentina's playing France. You know, it's like, but the world stopped for a moment. Do you remember why? Because 12 Thai children got stuck in a cave, and the whole world stopped. And Navy SEALs traveled across the world, and people spent millions and millions and millions because the salvation and saving of 12 tired children in a cave gripped the world and reminded them that we are humans and people are important. The church needs the same awakening. My heart needs the same awakening. And we are called. And I'm, but the reason is not just because, okay, some crusade mission, let's grow the church. It's not about that. I'm telling you, I've never been more alive than when I've shared the gospel with someone and seen the life of God come in their eyes. Or the shame pour off. I've never felt more alive. Never. I love preaching, but there's nothing like sitting with someone who the shackles come falling off and you can hear it. And their lives are forever changed. The lady sitting over there this morning who came to this church years ago, been in Muslim faith their whole life. She walked up to me after one of the services, Kansas, and said, I've had three dreams about a man in white. He told me to come to this church, find the pastor, and ask him who the man in white is. That's about eight years ago. She walked away from her faith. She lost her family in the process. But God brought a man who came into this church, an addict, whose life was wrecked, who got restored. He put them together. I had a church leader in the city phone and said, they will never work. You're being irresponsible and marrying them. I said, I believe in the grace of God. Eight years later, they have a beautiful little daughter who goes to school here. They've been part of leadership in the life of this church for a number of years in recovery and seeing recovery going. And I tell you, the grace of God is more powerful than you could possibly imagine. And it's got to keep shaping up. And we say it often, but, but if you're new to the church, hear it for the first time. It's not what it costs, it's what it's worth. No one dead went on the news and said, guys, 12 Thai children. Millions. Airplanes flying around the world. Navy SEALs flying. 12, is it really worth it? Could you imagine a greater, that's the end of your career, some like uh, presidents. Guys, what are we doing here? Soccer World Cup. No one did that. 
And yet I think sometimes in the church we get it wrong and we start misunderstanding how important things are. I just want to call us to four things that we need to be convinced about if we want our lives. And I'm telling you now, some of you like, you're still sitting there going, I couldn't. It's okay. It's okay. I'm not trying to guilt you into walking into your boss's office for your staff meeting tomorrow morning and go, you need Jesus. That's not what I'm trying to do. Just so we clear. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to call you to go stand on the street corner and shout, uh, my wife got saved at a thing that was big in the early 2000s. Heaven's gates and hell's flame. We are going to scare the living daylights out of you to get you into heaven. I'm not trying to do that either. I don't believe in that. God's grace, His goodness, should draw us towards Him. But there's got to be an awareness that eternity is real. So three or four things I think we need to be convinced about. Number one, it doesn't matter who you meet. It doesn't matter how happy they are on Instagram. It doesn't matter how much money they have in the bank account. It doesn't matter. They need Jesus. And if you aren't convinced about that, you're going to sit in front of people and you think, well, they're not really low-hanging fruit. You know what I mean? You know low-hanging fruit. It's like the person... How are you doing? I'm so sad. My life's fallen apart. Oh, 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 Jesus. That's low-hanging fruit. I'm talking about the person going, how are you doing? Well, I've got this many followers and I'm happy and I just got a promotion and look at my Lamborghini. And you kind of, or maybe it's just me, you kind of think, they're not really in season. It's not even Bible language. Right? They're like, they're not in season for the gospel. I'm like, What are you talking about? The Bible says those who don't have Christ and aren't sealed by the promised Holy Spirit are dead. Dead. That's what the Bible says. You've got to be convinced. So how do you get convinced? Read the Bible. But it says they're dead. So when you engage your boss that you're challenged by and he's debating whether to give you a bonus this year, you need to walk in the room with this knowledge according to the Bible that if he hasn't received Jesus, he's dead. <laughs> so we like, what? The church just got weird. Just relax. But there's life in Christ. It doesn't matter who you engage, there's life in Christ. You've got to be convinced of it. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Again, it's not what it costs or what it's worth, but they're blinded to it. So how do we reach people? We come close. We get close. We get close. And I was with a guy yesterday. We, I've met with him twice. I've spoken to him on the phone about three times. I can tell you all his kids' names. I can tell you what's happened in the history. I can tell you his ex-wife's name. I can tell you what job he does. And we stand next to the field and say, because that's the thing. People don't ask questions, eh? just so you know. And another guy decided to walk past me while I was watching my boy play cricket. He goes, how's it happening, Germany? And this guy standing here looks at me and goes, Germany? Are you related to the cricket? I said, no, I'm a pastor. He's like, what? And, and it's, we've got to allow ourselves to come close to people. But you're only going to do that if you're convinced. Secondly, I'd call us to be convinced that we are under instruction and authority. And I meet so many people in life, going, I don't know what God calls me, what he wants me to do. 14-year-old teenager, 10 years later, 24. I still don't know what God wants me to do. 34. I know because I've been in the church a long time. I've had the same conversation with the same people. Let me tell you what he's called you to do. 
Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have commanded, and surely I will be with you always to the ends of the earth. There's a mission for your life. Go. It's a mandate. It's a call. And whether you are a bean revivalist barista, as Gabe likes to say, or you are a teacher advancing the kingdom of heaven, what did he, on the forefront of hell. I thought it was quite dramatic. He can say it because he says it faster. This is a call to leave the comfort zones. You weren't made. We, we, our fellowship, our partnership, is because we're a ship called to sail the high seas. Where others drown, we can go safely because our king walks on water. We've got to be reminded. We've got to be convinced. Third, we've got to be convinced that it's who God is. In the very essence and nature of God, there is the mission of God that we don't determine. He told us, he says, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit said, we need to save and bring our lost children home. Jesus, will you go? And the Father sent the Son. Now, I don't believe there's any difference in power between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit at all. And yet Jesus allowed himself to submit to the mission story so that sons and daughters could come home. It's in the very essence and nature of who our God is. He is a reaching God. He's reached further than any of us possibly could. He allowed his son to be crushed on a cross. It's got to settle with us. I've got to be convinced that that's who God is. And there's so many scriptures I wanted to share, but it took a little long in the first service, so I'll spare you. And we were on 6% on the iPad. But I just want to remind you it's who God is. And to worship God is to say, God, I want to become like you. To say amen, it's to say I want to do it again. And I'm challenged by that. I'm challenged by that. But I can't stop. Neither can you. The world is waiting for him. And even now you're still saying, but that's, but that's your job, Mark. Some of you, because you come from movements where it was, and, and excuse me to be offensive, but it's all about the man of God. And we all here to serve the man of God's call. And I'm telling you, it's not the Bible. The Bible doesn't say, the Bible speaks about a priesthood of all believers, of which there are giftings, and some are given to the church to preach and to preach and to be apostles. Yes, some are given, but they're there to release the priesthood into a world so that the gospel goes not through a pulpit, but through lives. I'm telling you, we've got to wrestle that to the ground. And I'm sorry if that's offensive to you, but I can't apologize because it's limiting you if that's in your thinking. If you're going to call me man of God, I'm going to call you man of God, woman of God. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm, it's going to happen. I've done it many times, and some have left offended, and I'm okay with that. Why? Because my ability to reach the world is not enough, but ours is. It is. It's enough for a dying world. There are billions of people in this world. Billions. It's got to move us. It's got to shake us. It's got to challenge us. And lastly, and I want to get back to a big point. Are you convinced that Jesus came and died and rose again? Not just so the church has something to do at Easter, but that lives could enter into a relation with the Father and spend eternity with the Father and not an eternity in hell. 
Now you've got to go and study hell and you've got to speak about the Bible, but hell's very real and Jesus speaks about it. And we have preached about it and I'll preach about it again. But there's a reason Jesus came and, and kind of the, 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 what do you call that? The crescendo of his stories. He comes and brings a story and they're trying to teach him. He says, I need you to get this, the lost coin. And they go, mm, lost coin, is it about money? Or is it about stewardship? No, it's lost. Yes, found. Oh, the, the lost sheep, the 99, the one, the lost sheep, the one sheep. You've got to see it's the one. And he says, but the lost son. The lost son. Oh, but Jesus, they're not low-hanging fruit. They're not like that guy in a pigsty. They're actually looking really good in Bantry Bay. Oh, but they're lost. And they're riddled with fear. You know how I know? Because I think I've done about 100 and something funerals. And I've stood looking into the eyes of men and women who are faced with something they don't get faced with every day, which is death. And I'll do it again this week. And it's the one moment where everyone is forced to stop. Because we think this life is so big. No, Moses writes, he wrote one psalm. One, just one psalm. This guy who led God's people for 40 years through a desert, he had more wisdom than one psalm, but he wrote one psalm. And in that psalm, he says, your life is, is just like a watch in the night. You think it's long, but it's actually just like a watch. It's just 15 minutes. And time is ticking. And you can't take your cars and you can't take your holidays and you can't take your Instagram account to heaven. I know some of you might argue with the last one. But you can't. You can't take people. You can't take people. And heaven is real. And hell is real. And Christians, we've got to be called to remember that we live with eternity in mind. And the troubles of today and the light of eternity with the Father, it's the only way we manage our anxiety. The Bible says, do not be anxious. I've experienced anxiety in the last two weeks. I'm going to tell you straight. I've never taken sleeping tablets in my life. I had to take one or two this week just to sleep. I've never taken in my life. But now I've got to go to the Bible and says, do not be anxious. How can I say that? Why? Because my eternity is in Jesus. And I'm fully convinced fully convinced that on the day I'll stand before him with all my sin because the Bible says we've all fallen short to fall short is not this dream it's, it's just an arrow that just never hits the mark my life will never in my own ability be able to hit the mark ever and I'm sorry sir ma'am the Bible says yours won't either but the Bible says Jesus did it says in that mark the blood poured so that we get to hit the mark every time when we stand before the Father. But there's only one way to that. His name is Jesus. Can you stand with me this morning? Again, you've been very serious. I'm fine. Thanks for asking. I just... I've seen too much to not believe in Jesus. I've seen loss of lives, stories, inheritances on this side of eternity, but I've also seen life come to death. There are marriages in this church that should not exist, and outside of Jesus would never exist. The lady shared this morning is an example of the grace of God. 
and your husband, obviously. I just, but the problem is even with that in my life, I still have comfort. Sometimes it's uncomfortable to stand next to a sports field because I actually just came here to watch my son play sport. And I want to be a dad. But next to a sports field are people who don't know Jesus. Now that might not mean much to you, but it means everything to me. And then I'm reminded, God promised there would be a heavenly transaction of power. Not because of my goodness, my skill, or my ability. Because I'll witness. And I'll tell someone about him. Maybe say, Mark, I don't know what to tell. Tell them about his goodness. Tell them about his kindness. Read the Bible and learn of what he's done for you. And become convinced. Do you know what will happen? We'll start hearing the cries of the newborn who were dead, but they've come to life. It is the most glorious sound. Can we just pray? I, I feel even as we had worship when we sang that song, Holy, this is not a moment of condemnation. Please don't take that away. There's zero condemnation here. This is not a moment of, come on church, you can do this. It's not that. It's just a reminder that we're called to something glorious, something big. Your voice that you think can't change anything. Well, a guy named Moses thought the same. And as we sang in the song today, he was involved in parting a sea so that a whole nation would be saved. Stop believing the lies and understand the Bible says this, you will receive power. I pray right now, can you just, I don't know how you receive a gift, but, but I open my hands to receive it. Simply pray, Spirit of God, come. Even as we sing, holy, 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 we sing it because you are here. Love your presence. Thank you again for the miracles in this room. But thank you that you didn't make us for this room. You made us for the world. You sent your son to the world and then you kept sending your sons and daughters to the world. But you didn't send them powerless. You sent them with power. You received power. I pray for power. Spirit of God, come. Empower your church. I ask for testimony after testimony. I had a conversation with someone at the coffee table. I shared the gospel with my family I haven't spoken to for years. I shared the gospel with my child, my father, my mother. I shared the gospel. Why? Because it is the good news, the good news, the good news that brings life, freedom, and joy. Bring courage to your church today, I pray, God. Not on Sundays, but on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Set your church ablaze. I pray for minds that cannot sleep in this place. Why? Because they're so exhilarated with the prospect of sharing the good news tomorrow. I pray for supernatural empowering. I pray for courage. I pray for words to flow from mouths that have struggled. I pray the stuttering mouths would be opened so that your kingdom might come, that your name would be lifted high, that the dead would come to life. We speak the dead to life now, God. We call the dead to life now, God. Family members, right now, if you've got family, you've got family who don't believe in Jesus and they need Jesus, right now, raise your hand. Raise your hand if you've got faith, you've got courage. Right now, Spirit of God, the dead to life. 
We ask for salvation stories now, not for 10 years time, not for 20 years time. We ask for salvation stories to come to these families now. I pray for Muslim families, your gospel would come. Your gospel would come and bring freedom and life. I pray for families and other religions right now. Your gospel come and break the chains, break generational chains that freedom and life would come. Set the captives free, God, as we give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. Let's worship just for a moment. Allow His Spirit to stir. Allow the Spirit of God to bring a fire that burns.